Well, evening. Uh, good to hear from you. First rank cast of 2010. And may I say a very happy new year to you. And and to our rank cast listeners, rank cast and uh, in fact, United Rants gone from strength to strength in 2010. Uh, lots of people reading uh, and commenting at the moment, which is uh, really good to see. It's sad though, isn't it? You are profiting from uh, the fact that Manchester United not having the best 2010 so far. Neither on the pitch or in the boardroom, it seems. Yeah, on the pitch, a pretty devastating loss to Leeds. Um, and uh, yeah, pretty pretty poor result at Birmingham City at the weekend. I, I don't, Alex Ferguson said he was pleased, but uh, really, one of the smallest uh, sides in the Premier League. And you can't really be pleased. You need to be winning those games if you want to take the league title. Yeah, I don't know how to put this to you, Ed, but Sir Alex Ferguson was lying when he said he was pleased. Yeah, he's become quite good at that recently, yeah. Um, so uh, perhaps we can uh, quickly talk about um, uh, those games that it seems so long ago that were in 2009. Not only a previous year, but a previous decade. Yeah, and uh, a previous era where we lo- we looked all right. Uh, Hull 3-1 sort of flattered United against Hull, really. 5-0 against Wigan was thoroughly convincing. Yeah, I, I didn't think United were particularly good at Hull. They they did what was needed. Um, Hull gave it a real good go. And, and uh, in the end, I guess individual quality uh, won the day there. Um, I mean, you really got to win those games. And, and Wigan, well, I think Roberto Martinez is slowly becoming a Ferguson fan, isn't he? He, um, he criticised uh, Sir Alex earlier in the season, but um, two 5-0 drubbings and his team's so open that uh, it could have been way more. Yeah, I mean... Th- I don't know. We we sort of that's the only kind of team we can beat really is teams that try and play football but do it badly. Yeah, I, I do kind of feel sorry for Martinez. He um he he wasn't given a a good hand when he took over Wigan. He's trying to do it the right way, but uh, I you know they 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 will survive. Um, but only just, and uh, we'll see how long Martinez keeps his job after that. Yeah. So um, let's uh oh god, I don't even really want to say this next sentence. Let's talk about the Leeds game. Yeah, I, I've been trying to slowly wipe it from my memory. I, I've heard electroshock therapy might help. <laughs> um, have you seen the film Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? I, I have indeed. You kind of need to invent that device, really, because then you can wipe that, that memory uh, forever. Although, uh, of course, like in that film, it will then be painful, even more painful if it ever happens again. Um, just absolutely atrocious. I mean you know whatever it's a football match and weird stuff happens but there's just no confidence no style no substance just absolutely woeful no heart ed how can we manchester united not have heart playing against leeds in the third round of the fa cup yeah i i thought it was bad from day one uh, of that game um so Ferguson's selection was it was this odd mix of younger players and people on the fringe and people that were a bit ring rusty and just coming back in, into the the match. It just didn't strike me as a a side that was going to be very coherent. And and then you're right, you're right. They they just didn't seem to have any oomph about them. And it was really frustrating to watch. I mean, this is against Leeds. There's ten thousand Leeds fans in the stadium. There's an electric atmosphere. It's the FA Cup. You've got to give a damn, right? But uh, yeah, absolutely. And especially you've got to give a damn in a season where it's by no means a foregone conclusion that you're going to win the league and the Champions League. No, right? This could be a you know a good shot at um at, at silverware for United. I mean, the Champions League is is incredibly competitive. There are six sides you know about as good as United. So, and maybe better. And in, and in the Premier League, uh, yeah. Well, look, you'd 
put Chelsea as slight favourites at the moment, wouldn't you? Um, and Carling Cup, well, you know, we're playing Manchester City over two legs. Anything can happen there in good form at the moment um, under the new management. So, yep, yeah, uh, FA Cup was a real shot at uh, silverware, and, and that's gone now. Yeah, and also the Carling Cup doesn't count. That's true. <laughs> it's just important to remember that as uh, as we head towards the semi-final against Manchester City. Carling Cup doesn't count unless, of course, we win it, in which case it very slightly counts. Yeah, well, uh, we, we might have to um, because I, I think the odds on United win the Premier League and, uh, and or the uh, Champions League are, are not fantastic. Yeah, hey, we'll see. We'll we'll see as the the Premier League comes into its closing straight. How are United doing? It'd be brilliant if we totally turn it around and actually win the uh, win the double. That'd be beautiful. But it seems a little unlikely at the moment. Um, what what do you put down the kind of abject form that United have been in in the last couple of games? More than that, what um, we keep talking about this week after week. This is the most schizophrenic United side I can remember. Because we do beat Wigan 5-0 and then immediately collapse against, uh, let's face it, a team which is in what should by rights be called the third division. Yeah, actually, um, although United's um, uh, goal-scoring record looks pretty good this season, uh, the vast majority of goals have come in like four or five games. Um, so it's a little bit misleading. Um, uh, as, as for the um, as for what's going wrong, well, I mean... There's the obvious bits. There's the defensive injuries, the lack of continuity. Um, there's the lack of creativity in the central midfield area. I mean, it's just it's so desperately short in that area. Ferguson's got to know it. Um, all the fans certainly do. There's the um, there's the real problem at, on the left wing. Uh, Nani, Park, Obertan. Who are you going to pick? And none of them seem to be doing it at the moment. And there's the goal scoring department and the strikers department. Rooney's having to do it all on his own. Um, as well as Dimitar Berbatov played in the early part of the season before his knee injury kind of kicked in, he's still only got six goals all season. Oh man, I can't believe it's finally going to happen, but I'm going to have to criticise Dimitar Berbatov on an episode of Rankcast. I was really hoping never to have to do that, because you know this is painful for me, right? Because um, he's one of my heroes. Uh, what's going on? He's just been... He's like, okay, so if Carlos Tevez is the rich man's Dirk Kaut, then Dimitar Berbatov is the rich man's Emil Heskey. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's odd, but isn't it? Because um, if, if you take his time at Leverkusen and and then Tottenham, he was actually a brilliant finisher. Yeah, but Ferguson yeah. isn't playing him like that. He was it. You did you make that point? I think you made that point on uh, in an article maybe on on United Run. Um, I saw it somewhere anyway. He's not. He's not. He doesn't trust Berbatov as a striker. He's playing him as a classic number nine. Yeah, he's he's um, Bobatov's playing fifteen yards too deep for me, and and Ferguson talked about this earlier in the season. He said they'd used um, uh, Bobatov in the wrong position, and they weren't going to do it again. And he's basically just lied to the player. Um, and he is Rooney's playing as a central striker, and Bobatov's dropping in deep. And I I don't for all his uh, you know wonderful touch and and skill and and ability to bring players in um to play i don't think that's berbatov's best position i think they should be swapped around and it's obvious um or if Ferguson just doesn't trust berbatov there he has to get rid and bring someone else in as, yeah. as sad as that'll be um if it's not clicking then they have to change it because at the moment it's just really not working and, and it leads to what happened at the weekend against birmingham where rooney was deployed on his own and this is um for all birmingham's good form at the moment this is still one of the lesser lights of the premier league they're not going to break into the European positions, probably. 
Um, so we should be going to St Andrews and pulling off a victory if United wants to take the Premier League title come May. And he put Rooney out on his own up front with Valencia and Park Ji-sung, who are not two wide forwards. This is not Ronaldo and Tevez. This no. is two wingers hugging the touchline 30 no, yards away from Rooney. It's one winger and Ji-sung Park, who is whatever he is, he's not a winger. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was just it just felt pretty negative and cautious from United. And I remember at the end of last season, I wrote a piece, uh, you know, praising Ferguson for gambling. At the time, he, he stuck four people up front to win games at the end of last season. I, I remember the Wigan game. Uh, Carlos Tevez won it with that, that back heel and then, well, Michael Carrick uh, you know, scored the second. But um, it, I, you just don't see that this season. It's incredibly cautious. Yeah, which is what went wrong in uh, you know the, the real bleak years when he was playing Van Nistelrooy up front on his own. And but you know where's the personnel? Where is the personnel? What 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 should he be doing? He can't play. He obviously doesn't feel like he can trust his kind of uh, second string uh, creative players to do it. Because if he did, then he wouldn't have to play them in a four-five-one. No, I, I guess not. I mean, um, he, he doesn't... I, I'm not sure he's bought into Gibson. I, I'm certainly not. Um, and I, I don't know that he's bought into Obertan just yet. I mean, obviously, this is a player with very little uh, experience at Premier League level. He, he certainly doesn't trust Nani, and Nani's uh, talked his way out of the club. Uh, yeah, one, one, what was it? One game since November, I'd say. Um, yeah, no, no one trusts Nani. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> Um, well, I guess that brings us on to yeah. There, there are clearly weaknesses in both the side and the squad at the moment, aren't they? Clearly, um, and um, and for all the stats, I mean, you can say United scored more goals, are only a point behind where they were last season, but they've lost five times in the Premier League and they're drawing games they should win. It's just not as good. Um, yeah, and and we were absolutely abject against Leeds in the third round of the FA Cup, which you know might not be quali- quantitatively that that significant but it's extremely significant qualitatively you know yeah so so how do we address this i mean is this a is this an issue of the transfer window and we'll 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 come on to the the finances in a bit because i i guess they're related aren't they um did ferguson keeps insisting and no I mean, they're not related at all i've got all the money i want i just don't want to spend any money because i like my team they're great even though they're clearly not very good i've got plenty of money oh i, I couldn't point it at you to i couldn't point it out to you right now the money it's in the bank somewhere oh bank statement oh no no i can't show you that's private and confidential there's no money <laughs> there's where where is this money there's no money the glazers took money out of the club Right, and they're they're about to take more out. Um, so, yeah, it, will Ferguson go spend the money he hasn't got? So no, of course he won't. There, there won't be any spending in this transfer window. If if there is, it's because uh, United are spending a short-term credit facility because that's the only money that's available. So, I, I sad as I am, I did actually read through maybe not every word, but most words of the 322-page financial prospectus that MU Finance PLC. Uh, a division of uh, Manchester United Limited, which is a division of Reb Football Joint Ventures Limited and various other companies under the Glazer Family Trust banner. Um, read through 322 pages of this prospectus, loads of great little bits about uh, United's finances, which they haven't released before, but they have to now in order to attract investors. Um, so, yeah, the key points of that. United have £116.6 million in cash in the bank right now. The Glazers are going to take £70 million of that and pay off their own loans. They're allowed to do it, unfortunately. Uh, they're then going to refinance uh, using this bond issue. It's uh, 
basically a fancy form of IOUs. Uh, there's a good uh, primer on on the website about this, um, and they're going to you know send that out to the market and say we'll write out these IOUs at 8.5% interest per annum, maturing in 2017, and uh, you give us some money at uh, the market, and and hopefully lots of market you know, people will come back. Uh, Probably at a minimum fifty thousand pound investment, so it's not for you and I, uh, you know, unless you've uh, won the lottery recently, Paul. Um, but uh, and and then uh, you know, get five hundred million pounds. They're going to use four hundred million pounds of that to pay off what's called the senior debt. That's the cash loans they own to J.P. Morgan and various other U.S. banks. Obviously, seventy million will pay off some of the PIC loans. The rest they'll use for ongoing facilities and a lot of management fees associated. Um, with their management of clubs so they'll be paying themselves six million a season in management fees for managing our debt thank you very much and and then there's this 75 million new credit facility that, which they're taking out it's effectively a, an overdraft um, and that's got to be used for ongoing operations so really not player acquisitions at all in fact if you look at the financials there's really no money for player acquisitions at all so first of all, let me say on behalf of the listeners and the readers of United Run, thank you for reading that document so we don't have to. Um, it, it, otherwise, though, there's no there's no light to be made of this situation. It It's unbelievable to me that what the Glazers have done is not somehow considered a criminal offence in our society because it seems to me that they've just basically stolen a load of money. Uh, you know, I mean... It's a, that's probably a pretty simplistic way of looking at it, but but what the hell? What, how is it all right that this is allowed to happen? That you can just basically co-opt an incredibly successful, well-run, financially secure business for your own benefit at no cost to yourself. I don't get how it's possible. Well, if if you Ed had been able to. Um, uh, for some reason you were trusted enough to been given the line of credit that the Glazers have been given to buy Manchester United you could have done this right There's no, they don't have any special skills or powers that would have enabled them to do it that you couldn't do right no they they had um, some cash up front um, and uh, that, that enabled them to get uh, you know, a certain line of credit um, and yeah, then it was a pretty typical leveraged buyout and they did it in an extremely risky way so you know, pick loans are not um, they're short term financing uh, and they're very very expensive and they had to do that because it's an incredible incredibly leveraged buyout now um, the debt stands at you know a tad over 700 million United's so called value um, I mean if you look at the Forbes uh, list of you know biggest sporting institutions United had that list with a 1.3 billion pound value now mm. Now that you know, that's a it's a little bit of a moot point because it's only really that valuable if someone's willing to pay that, and the economics of someone willing to pay that don't particularly stack up with the profits United are making at the moment. Now, who knows? Maybe a consortium will come in and do it. For the moment, United is you know a touch under you know, there or thereabouts fifty something percent leveraged, which isn't in business terms, isn't that bad. So in normal business terms, and there was a been you know couple of really big high profile leverage buyouts in the you know in the financial world this year um this is pretty typical and you pay down the the borrowing out of profits and and the quicker you can pay that down the quicker you'll make the profits as the company or the institution or the individual that's made that leverage buyout the problem in football is uh it takes a very high amount of investment so take an industry where you need a lot of r&d 
I don't know, maybe like the car industry, how many leveraged buyouts do you actually see? You just don't. You see consolidation, but there can't be consolidation in football. And this right. is where we have the problem. It's just not a normal industry. So United are in this uh, situation where they took out a lot of short-term financing, expecting to refinance it all, which they did with the senior cash loan. But then they settled themselves with this pick loan problem, which they haven't been able to finance because the you know the world economy has gone pop. Um, and the senior loan is the preference loan, so they have to pay that back first. So the pick loans just be rolling up and rolling up. I mean, if they did nothing about it, it'd be worth nearly six hundred million pounds uh, by the time it matures in twenty seventeen. Uh, and most of the cash loans come in between twenty thirteen and twenty sixteen, I believe. So that's the crunch time. It's yeah, I, it, it just boggles my mind. Capitalism is a terrible idea, but anyway, that's perhaps not the uh, the. This is perhaps not the right red related podcast to discuss that on um, <laughs> the implications for the next period of time are genuinely worrying if you if you care about Manchester United being a dominant force in world football because they don't have the solid backbone of a team now if you uh, like and and let's hope this doesn't happen but if Rio never hits form again or never hits you know his top level of form again then United maybe have I don't know how many players do you have in a world eleven in the current Manchester United first team? Wayne Rooney, obviously, because he's a phenomenal player, and he hasn't—I haven't seen him have a bad game all season uh, in in the midst of a team that's—and he's just playing his absolute heart out. You can you can kind of see that, um, and he's matured so much. I think it was the whole game where he gave Hull uh, their goal. Yeah, yeah, because it was it was the penalty that he, he kind of very ill-advised back pass and you could see he was kind of desperate to win the game for United after that but he did that in a really smart way he just like played his best he didn't he wasn't trying too hard he wasn't overstretching it was just you know so Rooney's phenomenal but but United don't really seem to have the core of a world-beating team it, 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 this does seem to be a team that needs a lot of rebuilding yeah, I, I think we're in one of those rebuilding periods right now. And, and um, I think the poor quality of the Premier League this season um, is kind of masking the, the problems. If Chelsea had been able to get themselves together and actually did some spending in the summer, that, you know, that they actually wanted to but couldn't um, because of the uh, Manchester City and Real Madrid effect, uh, then they, they might well be leading by quite some distance. I mean, five defeats at halfway point is a... It's a really big problem for United. I think that will um, that means we have very little to play with in the second half of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 you know, if you look at the the, the times Sir Alex has built, uh, for a start, you know, he is getting on a bit. The manager, isn't he? And and you know, he do, how much time does he have left to rebuild another truly great side? And you know, he spent a lot of money on the last couple of really great sides he's built. You know, the the the, the kind of Beckham, Skulls and um, uh, Giggs midfield and Gary Neville and Wes Brown and you know all the all the, the homegrown players. That team was a slight anomaly, and even that team was pretty heavily subsidised by uh, by transfer fees. So without the kind of spending power that our rivals are going to have, is it going to be possible for United to build a team to compete with? the team that will be built at Man City and the team that Chelsea might look to rebuild. 
Yeah, well, we'll we'll see. I mean, City clearly have you know more money that makes any kind of sense. I mean, Patrick Vieira, please. Um, <laughs> yeah, that is that has let's let's uh, just a tiny bit of levity. It is quite nice that their star signing is Patrick Vieira. Yeah, who anyone who's watched any Italian football recently will know has lost his legs big time. But uh, they wanted a marquee signing, so I've got. The, I guess they've got that name. Um, it's not but, that's, but, that. That is not a marquee. That is a that is a scout tent. <laughs> Ouch. Um, as for United, I, I don't know how much rebuilding. It really depends on on some of the younger players, doesn't it? And how much they step up. I mean, instinctively, I don't see some you know a, a brilliant player coming through. Obertan looks good, but we'll see. It, the, the 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 Silver Brothers could be excellent, but it's at fullback. I don't know if they're going to win us the championship. Um, they they could be good. I mean, they they've got time to grow. The the rest of them, I don't buy into Gibson at all. I, I'm unsure about Welbeck. He does look like he's got loads of talent. Will he be able to transfer that? Macheda seems to have such a massive attitude problem. He's played what once this year, one substitute appearance. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure that we have massive amounts of depth in the youth. Maybe below that we do. And the um. And the uh, the the FA uh, Youth Cup game against Burnley uh, is this week, and we'll see. You know, the the reserves do seem to have some talent, but that's at, you know the seventeen, eighteen year old level. That's not going to help United right now. Uh, no, unless they do turn out to be Skulls and Beckham and Nicky Butt and the Neville brothers. Um, but yeah, that's that's definitely not that likely, is it? So yeah, anyway, I I, I just I, I we're not an agent of the the media we don't want to be those guys going oh we've lost two games it's a crisis but i think i think it's it's not about that it's not about the last two results it's about just the season so far the whole the whole kind of picture and and that combined with the finances and combined with uh, sir alex's age really have genuinely got me questioning whether the next 10 years will see anything like the level of success of the last 10 years and certainly the next 20 compared with the last 20. In the in the short term, there's a lot of money that's got to be paid back by United, right? So between now and 2017, so over the next seven years, United have to pay back £700 million plus interest. So, you know, over a billion, basically. Um, that's a lot of money. That's a hell of a lot of money. Think about um, if United were a limited company right now, um, and making nearly a hundred million pounds a year profit, which is what they're doing. Yeah, that's a hell of a lot of transfer funds. Yeah. So, love United, hate Glazer. Obviously, why doesn't uh, some random crazed out of his mind, unbelievably rich Arab sheik buy us? Because um, like, oh, wouldn't that be more fun than owning Man City? So it's a £790 million buyout. The uh, revenues are up significantly, at like 50%. Over the, I mean, they have done well on the commercial side of things, and uh, United have been lucky that TV deals have been struck and the sponsorship market, uh, you know, they caught at the peak. Um, so revenues are up significantly. Uh, so that probably makes the um, buyout value about $1.3 to $1.5 billion. Yeah. Um, as a absolute minimum, put a premium on top for the Glazers' profit because they'll need that. So you you might be talking, yeah, 1.3 to 1.4 billion pounds as a buyout value. That's quite a lot of money. That's quite a lot of money for someone to find. Um, 
Now, if you you make a comparison with what Abramovich has done, he's he spent about four hundred a bit million in total buying the club, paying down the debts, all the transfers, a couple of league titles to show for it. Yeah. Manchester City, so far they've spent three hundred four million. That's all the transfers, buying the club, paying off the debt. Yeah. Um, they might spend another hundred fifty million to to bring them a side that's you know of Premier League title winning quality. In, in comparison, it looks pretty good value. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, we'll see, eh? We'll see what the the next um, the next little while has to bring. And, and in terms of the immediate short term future, nothing going on in the transfer window at all, presumably. I, I don't think so. I mean, there could be some small purchases. I, I don't think uh, anyone's going to sign off a, a major a major buy, which we kind of need. We need a we need a midfielder with some spark. It's desperate. It really is. Um, Sorry to say it, but Paul Scott's age is really catching up on him. I think he'll retire in the summer. Yeah, um, almost, almost about. I, I th- yes, I, I think. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I, I don't even want to talk about Paul Scott's form because who cares, right? All those, all those years of service is, is you know. Yeah, he did sign a new contract something. recently, um, so he's signed up for next season. Um, whereas Gary Neville is not. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think Paul Scholes was just there. I think he'd have signed anything that the club put in front of him, such as his loyalty. Um, yeah. But I don't think there's much chance of him staying on next season, and uh, his age is kind of showing. And there's just no one. Michael Carrick, you know, he's uh, he's the quarterback, right? Um, he yeah. he's not United's creative spark. Anderson complains about not being played in the forward position but hasn't done anything to justify it I mean he's been absolutely dreadful and he certainly hasn't been a spark no right he's he's got lots of energy but I, I haven't seen that kind of Brazilian genius apparently uh, Ferguson and the scouts were, were told uh, when they signed Anderson for 17 million pounds that he was going to be the greatest player on the planet oh dear yeah that's, 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 not, that's not what's happened is it no, and and uh, that's part of the problem. So Ferguson was building for the future, um, and he's identified young players that will have a transfer value later. And actually, I should come on to that in a bit. Um, and he, it's just not worked out for him. Um, interesting point about the financials here. Uh, so the book value of players, so United's assets, so United's total value is going to equal its assets plus its cash, and that includes the debt, right? Mm. So, uh, book value of 1.5 billion, something like that at the moment, right? Um, United's players are their value on the transfer market, and they amortise it, so they cut down the value per year of contract that's ticked off. Right. Yeah. Right. So this is one of the key reasons uh, why United will not sign older players right now, because their book value just goes down. And even if they re-sign them on another contract, it's going to be short-term contracts. So they have a policy over 30, you sign a one-year contract. So they're not going to sign anyone over 27 because all that happens is their value goes down. And therefore, investment in United looks a lot less valuable because the asset base is a lot lower. So the policy, uh, you know, even, even, you know, if Ferguson suddenly got this, you know, great new idea that you get value from buying younger players, I mean, Anderson and Nani might tell you you don't, um, they're not gonna. They're not going to go. So you know, forget any talk of David Villa. That's not going to happen. Forget any talk of Frank Ribery. Even if we had the money, that's not going to happen. Too. It doesn't look good on the books. So it's not going to happen. So. Wow. In capitalism. Yeah. Well, that's the football market for you. And unfortunately, it's uh, 
the uh, the financial market has allowed the Glazers to do this, and the FA are too big a pussies to have stopped it. Yeah, it's 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 very sad. Oh, I have to make one small point, which is that yes, Anderson and Nani might say that you don't get much value from young players, but Cristiano Ronaldo would say different. That's so it. It is it is like investing in in businesses. You you know, there's a risk reward ratio, isn't there? Right. So I mean, this is the VC market, but but um, but that's fine when you're spending three million pounds on you know Obertan. Or uh, you know, Mame Biram Diouf, who's just joined us. Uh, well, joined us at the beginning of the season and, and joined the squad this week. Uh, that's fine. When you're spending twenty million on a prospect, I'm not sure that is fine. No, absolutely, I agree. But anyway, they um, that Nani probably won't be in the squad for the weekend game against Burnley. Uh, Anderson will be. He he's probably due a game. He might well start. And um, I guess United have to get the season back on track with a resounding win. And Anderson might still come good. I don't think it's too late for him. Um, although I, I haven't particularly, not particularly holding my breath. But Darren Fletcher is uh, gives hope to us all. Yeah, well, he won't be playing on Saturday, will he? So, <laughs> no, well, absolutely. Uh, what did you make of that sending off? By the way, to me, it's like uh, a lot of people say, "Oh, it's definitely not a sending off." But mm, to be honest, that second one—that's a booking, whichever way you look at it. Yeah, I, I think he's kind of. I'm not sure he's intentionally brought the player down, but in in many circumstances, refs would p- pull out yellow. I thought I thought it was interesting. Clattenburg, some of Clattenburg's comments, and also Fletcher. Fletcher said today that um, he'd complained to Mark Clattenburg about being fouled, and Clattenburg had said to him, "It's a man's game. Just get on with it." And then he gets booked for that. Then the two things don't seem to tie up. Um, so I thought he was a bit unlucky. He did commit quite a lot of fouls so that th- there was a chance he'd get a yellow just on the totting up procedure anyway so i don't think Mark. this this is not clear cut right I, I think he's a bit unlucky but you know i i think more than just mark clattenberg would have sent him off there will be some other refs that would have done that too some wouldn't and mark clattenberg one of my favorite referees i have to say um not that he particularly cares i'm sure what i think um but yeah i've n- never i don't i don't know something about mark clattenberg uh, uh, as a, as a referee, uh, he's sort of I don't know a little bit centre of attentiony for my taste. Well, so many of them are. He also didn't understand the offside rules. So uh, when he went, yeah, that, to... that's 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 always unfortunate. Although in fairness, I'm not sure there is anyone left who understands the offside rule. Yeah, second phase, uh, non-passive offside, right? <laughs> <laughs> which is what which is what happened. Of course, totally negated by the fact that the Birmingham City player put it into his own net. But but it's not totally negated by that. Surely the rule is not, did the player who was in an offside position touch the ball during the phase of attack? It's, was he involved in the phase of attack? No, no, right? no. It's, did he touch the ball? So this is... Uh, this is, is this a new rule? No, no, this has been around a long time. So this is the second phase of the attack, right? So yeah. the ball's come out. It's gone back in, come off the Birmingham player. So... Rooney had a shot blocked. Scholes had the shot blocked. They're saying no offside, no offside. Came to Evera. He has a shot and it comes off the Birmingham defender and goes into the net. Right? But at the, so, point, at the point at which Evera's shot isn't really standing basically directly in front of the yeah. Birmingham City goalkeeper and putting pressure on the defender. Okay, so two, two points there. Two, two points there. One, replays show he was level. So it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, yeah. So, but but even if he wasn't level, even if he was in front of the defender and in front of the goalkeeper, under the old rule, that's interfering with play and it's given offside, even if the Birmingham defender touches it because at the point Evers, you know, shot, 
Rooney's offside. That's under the old rule. Under the new rule, um, second phase means that the linesman is only uh, prescribed to put up his flag when the player touches the ball. Right now, this is it's a complete reinterpretation of the offside law, but it also means if Rooney's standing there in front of it, since the ball never came to him and it was you know knocked into the net by um, by uh, Scott Dan, then it doesn't matter. I can't believe I didn't know this. I really can't believe that, and I'm just mystified. That's that is the stupidest rule I've ever heard in my life. How it, oh god, the offside rule. You know, it used to be this joke, like, you can't ever get find a girl that understands the offside rule unless you explain it to them with, like, pepper pots and ketchup bottles in a in a greasy spoon cafe. That's the only situation in which the human mind is capable of learning the offside rule using the condiments of a full English breakfast as the uh, props to explain it, right? You accept the premise of my theory, presumably. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even that doesn't work anymore because now it's like, well, if it's the second phase and the ketchup's going in front of the mayonnaise, then, you know, so long as the mayonnaise doesn't touch the salt and pepper pots, it's completely fine, even if he's standing in front of the fork and knife which represents the opposition goalkeeper. Now you right. have me confused and very hungry. <laughs> All right, well, on that note, should we, uh, should we call that a rant cast? And uh, good evening, ranters, happy eating, and we'll see you next week. See you next week.